Pictures turned on. A couple little announcements before we get into the message this morning. Um, I will not be here next Sunday. You will be blessed to have Reverend Wade Hudsinger with you guys. If you remember him, he was the director of missions from the association years. How long ago has that been, Rita? Long time. Long time ago. Uh, but he's going to fill in for me next uh, Sunday because me and Paisley is going to be at Yellowstone. We're heading out to Montana Friday to the Carroll Ranch for vacation. So we're going to leave everybody else to here. So you'll have to deal with them. But we'll not be here. Wade's going to fill in. Um, and then hopefully Keith will fill in Wednesday night <laughs> for the Bible study, I hope. Um, so just be in prayer for Wade. He's excited to be able to come back up here. He's left his church at Warrensville Baptist a couple months ago, back in March, um, and is moving back down to be closer to his mom. And so he'll be here to, to fill in next Sunday. Um, baby bottles, still got too many out there. We're not seeing them leave here. So go out there and get you a handful. Take home with you, fill them up. Uh, like I said, put change or $100 bills. That's the only two options you got. So preferably the $100 bills, right, Deanna? And fill them things up and get them in here by um, Father's Day. The goal is Father's Day, then they'll take them year-round there. Um, we will recognize a couple people after the service, so we're not going to do that yet. We'll, we'll hold on to that. Do you want to meet? All right, so right after the church service, after we do our, our shake and howdy with our promotions and graduates, if y'all that can and are able to stay for a couple minutes, we're going to have a Bible school meeting. Um, believe it or not, it's right around the corner. I mean, it's less than a month now, and we've got a lot lot to do, a uh, lot to be uh, preparing for. Um, I think me and Tabitha is going to blow up Amazon and I've already, I'm going to wear an outfit this year. Y'all are just going to be really surprised at what I get to wear this year for this one. So uh, be prepared. That's all I have to say. Just be prepared. It'll be it'll be fun. And I think that's it. Y'all leave. Are y'all still going or is it still afloat? <laughs> no, is it still afloat? Okay. I've seen where it's burning. So I don't know. <laughs> is that next week? Is it next? Okay. So be in prayer for them. They're going to head out on a on a cruise. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, still be in prayer for them. There's a lot of vacations getting ready to pop up, and uh, one of the things that uh, that we've thought a lot about this week, I know we mentioned it Wednesday and we mentioned it this morning, is, you know, our kids, everything that happened in Texas this week, that's just absolutely just rips my heart out. And we pray for our kids, and we think, well, kids are out of school now, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about it. You, you still have to worry about your youngins, even through the summer. Who knows what they could get into during the summer, so... Uh, we just don't know. Uh, as Keith talked this morning, my mind was racing with, with things that that we try to prepare ourselves for and prepare our children for. Uh, but we all got to be prepared to meet Jesus. At some point, we're all going to meet Him, and just being prepared. And we, you know, those those youngins and those teachers this week in Texas, they had no clue what was coming. Had no clue what was coming. If they did, that that would have been stopped or prevented. But they didn't know, and I just pray that they were prepared, and, and the same goes for us. Be prepared. Be ready for whatever could happen to get us home, whether, uh, you know, tragically like they did or if it just be natural, whatever you want to call it. Just be, we got to be prepared. All right, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn over to First Peter chapter 4. We're about to wrap this whole thing up. It's been like 20 weeks worth of First Peter stuff. But we're, it's, it's, a very, it's very good timing. Uh, for us to be in, in this study today, this morning in First Peter, be First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 is where we'll be. 
but it's about suffering. And if you've noticed, that's kind of the common theme for the, the book of First Peter. And, and it's because Peter is writing to a persecuted church, He's, or persecuted people. Uh, they're being persecuted for their faith. And so they're, they're struggling, they're suffering at this time. And, and so it's a good time for us to be looking at this because we as individuals t- uh, tend to be suffering. We struggle with uh, emotions and things going on in our, in our lives right now. We need the encouragement, the comfort uh, from the Word of God. We as, as a church, as the church of, of Christ, we need to be uh, together and pushing forward as we struggle. We struggle. We, all the churches around struggle with the same things. Too much world trying to push its way in, into our churches. We struggle with that. We struggle with the devil. The devil outside the church, the devil inside the church. We struggle with that, and we suffer for some of the consequences that some, some people uh, bring on themselves or uh, as a church. We suffer through that, and we need to be able to, um, to push forward and, and find the joy in the suffering. Now, I, I, read this, I read this to Maria the, the other day because I, I liked it. That little book I've got, that crazy book that's got all the nice, all the crazy things I read, y'all. Uh, this was something that I seen that I thought was really, it really struck home with me and Maria, too. It's, what it, y'all know what that is, don't you? That's a teabag. That's a teabag. Now, unfortunately, this one right here is decaf. And so I will throw it in the trash once this sermon is over with because it's not worth anything. It's decaf. But this tea bag is a lot like the Christianity, our Christian faith, because it ain't much good till it goes through some hot water, is it? That that's the Christian. We ain't much good until we've been through some hot water. We ain't our our testimony ain't very strong until our faith has been tested does that make it a little bit more clear we have to be through we have to go through some hot water to be able to smell good or taste good for a good outcome hot water provides us with a good outcome it gives us sweet tea that's good stuff hot water for a christian provides a stronger testimony hot water the troubles that we go through in this life strengthen our faith Whenever we go through a trial, whenever we go through a situation, it strengthens our faith. When we go through trouble, it builds our testimony because we can come back and we can tell the world and we can smack the devil in the face and we can say, I might have went through this, but on the other side of it, my testimony got a lot stronger. My faith got a lot stronger. My love, my desire, my walk with Jesus just got a lot closer and a lot stronger. So when you think about your Christian life, think of it like a bag, a, 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 a tea bag. We're going to be run through hot water, but on the other side of that hot water, some good stuff's going to come out of it. And that's a fact that no one is immune to pain and suffering. If you've ever met somebody that is immune to pain and suffering, I'd really like to shake their hand because I don't know what they've done to deserve that, but I don't think one exists. Even Jesus went through pain and suffering. The most perfect man to ever walk on the face of this earth was not immune to pain and suffering. He had to go through it, just like the rest of us. And I say this all the time at Christmas. You know, that's why Jesus came in the form of a baby, is my opinion. It's so that he could experience everything from childhood to death. He got to experience it firsthand. 
he got to experience the loss of a of a of his father he got to experience the loss of a relative he got to go through puberty and he got to go through all the things that we go through as adults and children he experienced that and so with that y'all know we had to, we have to go through pain and suffering so did jesus there's going to be a certain amount of pain that we have to deal with as we live our life for jesus here on earth as a christian i, I would i would dare say that we probably experience a lot more pain than the non-believer would experience because the devil makes it a lot harder on us as Christians. Not all Christians suffer the same, though, as others do. That's the way it is. You look around this room and you go from Mike all the way over to Paisley, you scan around here and there's a bunch of us here today. Each one of us is going to go through something different. We might feel like we've been through more than the other person. You might have. Who knows? But we all go through pain and suffering at the hands of the devil, at the hands of ourselves. We bring a lot of that on ourselves. Both Christians and unbelievers will experience hardships of some sort. But again, I believe Christians tend to go through a lot more than others. I read this little study right here, and it says, I don't know if it's a real study, as the preacher said this, it says, life is 10% what happens and 90% how you respond to it. That's the suffering that we go through. It's 10% of what happens in this life, and 90% of how you respond to what happens in this life. Kind of sounds odd, don't it? How do you respond to the suffering? How do you respond to the tragedy in your life? How do you respond to the pain and the suffering and the sorrows in your life? The book of First Peter we've been reading here for the past few months was written to Christians who were enduring great trials and hardships. Not just trials and hardships. They were persecuted. They were being martyred for what they believed in. And Peter trying to encourage them. Now, we're not there, but we can still find encouragement in the book of Peter right now because of what we're going through. The suffering and the pain that we go through in this life now, we already looked at suffering back, uh, Lord, probably two months ago. But we're going to look at it again today. As we're about to wrap up, we just got a few more studies here in First in Peter. We're, we're, we're going to look at that one more time, the suffering side of it today. And he has a lot to say about responding to suffering here. And, and it's, it's five facts, five parts that we'll look at today about how we as Christians are to respond to suffering. And I will go back to Texas and I will go back to 9-11, and I will go back to any war that you want to point out. But when you look at how the church, when you look at how the Christian handles suffering, the world looks at how we handle this. Do we give up? No. Now, I believe folks can find encouragement in the way that the church handles suffering and persecution i believe the world can find encouragement in the way that a christian individual christian handles suffering whether it be a tragic loss of a life when you see that family that lost a loved one again tragically and how they cope with it and how they rely on god and how they rely on their faith and how they rely on the word of god that brings hope to a lost world that brings i believe it brings comfort 
to a lost world. When they see how a Christian deals with suffering. But we've got to deal with it rightly. We've got to do it the right way and not the world's way. If you've if you got your spot there, stand with me just a moment. Again, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. That's where we'll be. The Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on, his, on this behalf. For, this, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Let's pray. Father God, this morning is we have been able to come back to your house, Lord, one more time. God, we thank you for this. As, as we have prepared our hearts this week for your message, as we have prepared our minds this week, Lord, to, to be able to come into your house and to sit and to listen and to absorb, and Lord, to worship and to fellowship, God, I pray that whatever takes place today will be pleasing to you. Lord, I pray every heart here is prepared. Lord, I pray that they're prepared for the message, but Lord, I pray that they are prepared for what's after this life, Lord. I pray they're prepared in their hearts for eternity. They have prepared their hearts and their souls for a life with you. God, I pray today, whatever's said and done behind the pulpit, God pleases you. But Lord, I pray that whatever's said and done today inside these church walls would prick the hearts of those that are here. If there be one here that's lost, Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, if there be one here that's struggling, that's suffering today, but they are saved, God, I pray that they'd find comfort in your word. And Lord, I pray that they'd find peace knowing that we all suffer, but we have you by our side as we do suffer. We have your strong arm around us, and you're still with us. You'll always be with us. Lord, we just lift up this church to you this morning as we continue to move forward and, and try to grow. Lord, I pray that you would just do that. Have your will and way here inside these, this church. And Lord, we pray for the churches around us as well. Lord, I pray they have a good service. I pray that the word is preached, preached boldly, and those men of God honor you. Lord, be with us today. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. First thing we'll look at this morning, our suffering doesn't catch God by surprise. And I've, I've said this a lot, and I, I like this. And I wish I had this sign. I've seen it, and I just never got it. But the sign says that it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God. In other words, you can't take God by surprise. You can't shock Him. He knows what's coming. 
Now, does our suffering take us by surprise? Yes, a lot of times it does. A lot of times we're not prepared for what is about to happen to us. We cannot be prepared for the loss of a loved one tragically. We cannot be prepared for what takes place inside our schools, such as Texas. We can't wrap our minds around that. We can't prepare ourselves for things like terrorist attacks. We can't prepare ourselves for things that might happen inside a church where there may be a church split or bad blood or whatever you want to call it. We cannot prepare ourselves for that. But God is. He's prepared and ready. And because He's prepared and ready, we got to rely on Him. I think about, I've been through those active, tra- uh, active shooter trainings at the schools. That's one of the hardest things I've had. I've stood outside those schools and I've cried thinking that this could happen. For me to go through active shooter classes, I have to do it at Cove Creek Elementary School where Paisley goes now. And for me to stand outside there and think of what could happen breaks my heart. But I go in with law enforcement. Jerry, I'm sure you've been through a lot of those classes, and it's scary. But what I think about is we're prepared to go in if we have to. And so if I have to do something like that, I want to be behind somebody like Jerry or some of these other law enforcement officers that have trained and are prepared to do this. I want to be prepared, and I want to be with the person that is prepared to go into this situation so that I'm not surprised when I go in. I'm not shocked when I go in. God is not surprised. You can't catch him off guard. A lot of times Christians will wonder, why would God allow me to suffer if I'm his child? I think when someone is saved, that's probably one of the first things that we ought to tell them. And Mike hit the nail on the head when, when Paisley was saved. That was one of the things he told her. Pretty much, I'll, I'll sum it up with, be prepared for the devil. That's what he told her. That's what we should be telling all new Christians. Be prepared. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you find that the devil's working a lot harder on you now than he ever has. Don't be surprised when he throws a wrench into your plans. Don't be surprised if you lose some friends. Don't be surprised if you lose close contact with family members. Don't be surprised that because you are now a born-again Christian that you're going to have to deal with the devil more because you will. Don't be surprised. Being a follower of Jesus in in a corrupt world that we're living in right now is tough. It is really hard for a Christian right now. To live in this world because our numbers keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and the world's getting bigger and bigger and bigger around us and so it makes it hard on us those who are lost even in the church often are opposed to those who take a firm stand on jesus that's what we're supposed to do as a christian we take a stance on what is right when as a christian when, when we are born again and we come into the family of god we have a, a playbook here a rule book a road map whatever you want to call us we have a guide this is our owner's manual right here this is what we use to live this life we go by this nothing else we live by the word and we take a firm stand on the word of god some people ain't going to like that. If it goes against, that's what me and Jason McGuire's talking about. We had a, Maria's uncle had his, a surprise 70th birthday party yesterday, and me and 
what Abby called the old man corner. Yes, I heard about that. Sat back there and we talked about, we was talking about the Word of God. And we was talking about the fact that we tend to lose friends and churches are losing members because they don't believe in standing on the Word of God anymore. They're willing to compromise. What that boils down to is people are willing to compromise, and you can't compromise the Word of God. How many of your family members will not invite you to family events anymore because of your stance on the Word of God? How many friends have you lost because of your stance on the Word of God? How many times have you been rebuked by fellow believers because the way you stand on the Word of God? You ever been rebuked by a Christian? That, that, that goes into denominations because we'll get in arguments all day long about baptized by submersion or sprinkling or women behind the pulpit and all this stuff. That's, you can get into it. You can be rebuked for your stance, but as long as you're standing on the Word of God, they can rebuke me all day long. I'm going to stand on what's right. People have lost their jobs because of this. Preacher Tim Pierce. Where's your daddy's church at? Elk what? Elk Valley. When Tim Pierce was there for whatever short stint he was there, he lost his job a few years ago because on his breaks, on his breaks and his lunch breaks, he'd read the Bible, and that offended the boss, and they let him go. And, of course, y'all know we've talked about it for the past few weeks. Now, Michael Burnham lost his job at uh, Preacher Michael down at, at uh, Powder Mill, lost his job because... The Word of God. He stands on it. It's all right. I think the Lord blessed them men greatly for that, taking a stand for what is right. When we truly live on our, our Christianity by our actions and, and our speech, things happen, good and bad. If you take a stand on the Word of God, great things are going to happen for you. But bad things might happen as well. But God will get the glory out of it. Let me, let me, let me just read you a couple of things that I, I noted down here that that I've seen happen to preachers and, and Christians. First thing is we're avoided. People avoid us like the plague anymore. Oh, here comes the preacher, and they go the other way. Here he comes. Be ready. We're ridiculed. We're mocked. We're ignored as a Christian, not just preacher, but as, as a Christian. We, we, we tend to be overlooked. Sometimes we get neglected. We get cursed. We get fussed at. Bad things are said about Christians. They don't like us anymore. The list goes on and on. But they're not, that's not a good list, is it? We're always going to be on somebody's list. But things will happen to us. We're going to have to suffer. We're going to be persecuted. Now, this verse right here that we just was just reading on, let me get back up here to it. I want to read it one more time. Beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to you is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. This verse teaches us one thing right here. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't be startled when things happen to you, when bad things happen, because that's what the devil does to us. We're not to be surprised because God is not surprised. He knows what's going on down here. And the Bible tells us he promised that he would face those things with us. 
He would go through that fiery furnace with us. He will go through the ridicule and the persecution. He will go through the loss of friends. He'll go through the loss of family. He will go through everything that you go through. He's going to do it with you. He will wrap His loving arm around you, and He will guide you, and He will comfort you, and He will love on you, and He will be with you because He said that He would never leave us nor forsake us. And it doesn't matter how hot that fire gets. It doesn't matter how uh, difficult the situation might get. He's not going to bail on you. That's how you know you got a good friend. When they stick with you through it all. They don't, they don't run away. They don't tuck their tail and run and hide. They stick with you through it all. So what do we do? We choose to believe God and take Him at His word. That's what we do. We don't turn. We don't hide. We don't... We don't sit back in the corner and cry, oh, woe is me. We choose God, and we choose to move forward as we're persecuted. He promised to meet our needs, not our wants, but our needs. He promised to meet us, to always be with us. And believe it or not, He has our best interest in mind. He is a good, good Father. Any parent that's here, that's what we have in mind is the best interest for our children. As our Heavenly Father, He has our best interest in mind. Yes, there will be suffering. There will be persecution. There will be times of of sorrow. But at the end, God will be glorified. And that's good enough for me. I promise you that. Our suffering doesn't catch Him by surprise. Secondly, in suffering, the glory and blessing of Jesus is revealed on us and through us. Verse 13 again says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Too many Christians seem to base their responses to pain and suffering on emotions and feelings. We're really quick to do that, ain't we? How many times, those of y'all that have to use email at work, how many times... Send you ever had to type up an email three or four times and not send it because you typed it out of anger? Yeah, I do that a lot. I do it a lot. It looks good until you hit send. And there's some repercussions that can come out of that one. You got to be careful. Don't act on a feeling. Don't respond on emotion because it can get you in trouble. It will get you in deep trouble. Not that I know from experience or anything. During the midst of intense pain, no one ever feels like rejoicing, do they? No. I've sat there while during a car wreck or a house fire, whatever it is, I've sat there and, and I've been with, well, not really sit there, I've been there because I was busy. But I've been there with those individuals that were suffering. They just lost their car. They just lost their house. They just lost their loved one. They are going through intense suffering at the moment. How do you sit there and look at them and say, rejoice. Rejoice evermore. How do you tell somebody to rejoice during a time of tragedy? response Peter calls for is, is based on a choice and not a feeling. James gives us some understanding right here on this phrase, or this phase of suffering. Over in James 1-2, he says, My brethren, count it all a joy when you fall into divers 
temptations. James stepped up here. My brethren, count. Remember that word count. Count it all a joy when you fall into divers' temptations. So the Greek word, here it is again, more Greek for you. Greek word for count means to consider or to reckon. Consider or reckon. So if you go up there and, and change that back to the original format, it was, my brethren, consider it all a joy when you fall into divers' temptations. It has to do with making mental evaluation of the trial, not an emotional response. Think about it before you react. The other church, they face persecution like we've never experienced before. The early church, I, I was reading something this week about the early church. They compared the early church to the church today. And there's, there, the, the quote was, if you was to remove the Holy Spirit from the, 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 the first church here, the, the early church, if you was to remove the Holy Spirit from the first church, 95%, 95% of the church would fall apart and not move on. Only 5% would move on, which is not good. But if you remove the Holy Spirit from today's church, 95% would move on as if it was still there. And that, that's not a good thing. What they're saying is it's not good because we have learned to rely on ourselves and not the Holy Spirit when it comes to worship. That's what they're trying to say. The new church, whenever the New Testament church started, they relied heavily and, in, and solely on the Holy Spirit to do everything. Because we know we can't do it on our own. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. And nowadays the church has relied more on, on the world and on man to function. And that's not good. The early church, they understood that suffering is graced by God's glory because He goes with us in our pain. They understood that. We need to remember that. And we've got to understand that too. As the church, we need to understand that God's grace is sufficient. It's always been sufficient. God's grace will go with us through the suffering. We need to remember that God never sends us anywhere. He goes through it all with us. He's not just going to say, James, I need you to run on over up to South Dakota to the Indian Reservation and do my work. That's not how God works. He's not just going to say, James, go. He's going to say, James, let's go. Because he's going to go with him. He's not going to call out Hunter and say, Hunter, I need you to go to Mexico and preach to the lost. He's going to say, Hunter, I need us to go to Mexico and preach to the lost. Because he always goes with us. No matter where we go, he goes with us. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not going to let us do it alone. Three Hebrew children in fiery furnace. Guess who was there with them? God. When Daniel was in that den of lions, guess who was there with him? God. When Stephen was standing there and was stoned, guess who was there with him? God. See, these men didn't do anything on their own. God was always with them. Verse 14 says, The Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. The glory of God is also where His presence is. The glory of God. 
Since God is especially near us, as we suffer for Him, His glory is there too. So no matter what we go through, God's glory will be there. No matter what we go through, we are to glorify God. Again, that sounds tough. When you're going through a tragedy in your life, it's hard to, to glorify God. But that's what we're to do. Glorify God through it all. Through tragedy, through thick and through thin, we need to glorify God. Because that's where He's at. That's where His, that's where His presence is, in that glory right there. Knowing God is there gives us a peace. Knowing that God is there with us should give you some joy, should give you some comfort. Because you know you can't go through it alone. You need Him. Third thing, we can rejoice while suffering as long as we are suffering for Jesus' sake. Verse 15 says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. We can suffer for both Right and wrong reasons. Since suffering is assured, we should make sure we are experiencing it for the right reason. It's, it's sad, but it's a simple truth. It's a simple fact. That some types of suffering do not come with the blessings and grace of God. You want to take a wild stab at which ones those are? Those are the ones that you bring on yourself. Those self-inflicted wounds that we have, we're not going to find much blessing in those because we did it ourselves. We didn't do it because God is guiding us through it. We did it because typically we made that call on emotion and on a feeling, not by His guidance. Some are also forced by others. Some, that we, some of the suffering that we go through is brought on by others in our families, in our churches, some of the things that we go through, it's not because of us. It's because of others. Some Christians suffer because they made wrong choices in life. They may be unhappy in this life right now. They might be unhappy at this time right now or uncomfortable right now because God allows them to, to go through this as a result of their decision. It's a decision that you made. You didn't seek His face. You didn't ask His guidance. You did it on your own. And so he's going to allow you to go through that. And you learn from it, don't you? You learn from your mistakes. If we don't learn much as, as young and growing up, we learn from our mistakes. Why do you not put that paper clip in the light socket? Because it hurts. Why do you not stick your hand in the dog's food bowl while he's eating? Because it hurts. You get bit. We've got to remember that. We learn from our mistakes. Others may experience pain because they're enduring the, the chastening and correction of God from unconfessed sin. And I, and I want to stop on that for just a second. Because it's a very important part of our Christian life. Confession. Not me and you in a little room and you're spilling your guts to me. What I'm saying is you and God and you spilling your guts to Him. Confession, asking for forgiveness, confessing your faults, your sins, everything that's going on in your life that you know is against God, it's time to confess it. It's time to ask for forgiveness. You wonder why you're suffering? 
Have you thought about the last time you asked God for forgiveness? Think about it. When was the last time that you got down and you said, Lord, forgive me? And when I say, forgive me, don't, be, don't just say, Lord, just forgive me of my sins. I mean, that works. But you need to be specific. If you know of specific sins that you've committed, that you've done against God, call them out. Ask God to forgive you individually for each one of those. See what happens. Those who suffer because they are sincerely following Jesus are called to rejoice and not be ashamed. So, if you're suffering because you're a Christian, if you're being made fun of, if you're being ridiculed, rejoice. You're, you're, being, you're suffering in the name of Jesus, and that's okay. That's fine to him, with him. That should be fine with you. Number four, our suffering is only temporary. Verse 17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Peter asks us right here, How bad do you think it will be for those who are causing the suffering when they get to meet God face to face? How bad do you think it's going to be? And I don't know, Keith said something in Sunday school that it, you said that we're going to go in alphabetical order. Whenever we get to heaven, the, as we, he's going to go down the Lamb's Book of Life and it's going to be in alphabetical order. And there's certain letters in the alphabet I don't want to be behind, just to be honest with you. Like Graham, I'm, I'm glad I'm a C. I'm not going to have to stand behind Franklin for things he's going to have to answer for. But we got, if it's alphabetical, if I don't know. I think it's by date of salvation. That's what I think. But anyway, we have to answer for things that we have done in this life. We have to answer for a lot of things in this life. But those that are making us suffer, those folks that are persecuting us as Christians right now, can you imagine what they are going to face when they meet the Almighty God face to face? Can you imagine the wrath that will come from God for someone picking on his people, for someone persecuting his children. I can't imagine what they'll go through. They can do all they want to hurt us right now, but they will have to meet God face to face. We're all going to meet him. We know that. But those people that are persecuting us, it ain't going to be pretty. That's going to be ugly. That's going to be a sorrowful time for them. Those that are causing us to suffer, We'll meet Jesus. They're not exempt. None of us are exempt. We can rejoice knowing our suffering in this life is only temporary. We might go through some persecution verbally. We might suffer for just a little bit here on earth. But when we get to heaven and we see God face to face and we get to speak to him and he goes through that Lamb's book of life and and he looks at what we've done for him and when we were saved... And he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in. Your mansion's ready. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more suffering. Revelation 21 tells us that there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. We don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. There will be none of that in heaven. So down here on earth, if we live for 70, 80, 90 years, 
that's just temporary compared to eternity. So we might suffer for a few years here on earth, but when we get to heaven, there will be no more suffering. Just a lot of rejoicing. Last one, number five, God's faithful to those who are committed to him. Verse 19 tells us, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God will never leave us. He's never going to fail us. He's never failed us. And we can fully trust God. There's things on this earth that we just can't trust. Period. There's things that, that we would like to put our faith and trust in, but they're going to disappoint us and they're going to let us down. We've got doctors and lawyers and we've got contractors and we've got mechanics and we've got all these people in this world that we would love to be able to put our faith in, but they will fail us. They'll fail us. God won't. God won't fail us. We can trust him. If I'm going to trust anybody, I'm going to trust somebody that's not going to fail me. If we commit our souls to Jesus, then no matter what people do in this life, he's going to be with us through it all. He'll fulfill his plan for us and purpose in our lives because he is faithful. Psalm 36, 5 says, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. No matter what anyone may say or do to us, we've got to keep on moving. We, we can be encouraged by God's word. We can be encouraged knowing that he's going to be by our side through the pain, the pain that's caused by the sin in our life, the pain that's caused by the disobedience in this life because we, we're children, ain't we? Don't youngins disobey? Ethan, do you disobey? Do you listen to mom and dad? You don't? Yeah, see? He's honest. He's very honest. Now, you adults, do you ever disobey God? I want y'all to be as honest as Ethan is. Do you adults disobey God? Go ahead and shake your head, yeah. We do. We do. We disobey. But he still loves us. He still loves us, even though we disobey him. Ethan, did you know your mom and dad still love you when you disobey them? You better say yes, or you're going back outside. <laughs> yeah, just say yeah. You're digging a hole really deep right now. <laughs> he still loves us, but that's what the father does. That's what a father does. That's what a mother does. That's what a parent does. Even though we disobey, we're still loved, no matter what. If you're suffering this morning because of your witness for the Lord, congratulations! You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. If you're suffering in the name of Jesus, rejoice evermore because it's going to happen. What's going on is the fact that you are doing God's work and the devil is making it really hard on you. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't stop. Don't stop. Rejoice. Keep standing for him and use your suffering as a time of rejoicing. I'm going to read one little story right here, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to hush. But this is another one of those in my book that I really liked because it falls right into this right here. It says, A group of Christian women met regularly to study the Bible. They were puzzled by the meaning of Malachi 3.3, which says, And he shall sit as a refiner and purify a purifier of silver. They decided to visit a silversmith and learn what they could about the refining process. 
After he explained the process, one lady said, Do you sit and watch while the refining is going on? He said, Oh, yes, indeed. I must sit with my eyes fixed on the surface of the silver. For if the time, for if the time necessary for refining is exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver is sure to be damaged. Then he added this part, and listen to this part right here. I only know when the process is complete by seeing my own image in the silver. He could see himself in the silver. That's us as Christians. We are constantly being refined. And that silversmith has got his eye on us, which is God. He's watching us. He's keeping his eye on us. And he's going to refine us until he can see himself in us. He's going to work hard so that not just he will see himself in us, but the rest of the world will see him on us. We are to be a mirror image of him. We are, as Christians, to be a mirror image of Jesus Christ in all that we do. So when this world is looking at us, they can see him. They can see his light. They will experience his love. They will see his love. That's what a silversmith does. They watch till they can see the reflection. I hope and pray the world can see God's reflection in each one of us. Everything we do, they see us. This is what the Lord wants to see. If you and me as, as, as Christians, he wants to see himself in each one of us. He wants to make sure that through these fiery trials that we go through in this life, that he is reflected, that folks see us through those trials. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come to you again this evening and just thank you again for your word. Thank you for the reassurance of knowing that through the suffering, the pain, the tragedy, the sorrow, the crying, the tears, the mournful hearts that we might have, the grieving hearts that we have, through it all, you're still by our side. Lord, as you send us to, to go about your business here on earth, Lord, to, to be a witness, to, to help lead those lost souls to salvation, God, the fact that you are with us through it all should give us hope and should give us comfort, should give us joy, knowing that through the persecution that we'll go through, through all the, the suffering at the hands of the devil that we will go through, that we count it all a joy and an honor and a blessing to do it, to go through it in your name, to go through it knowing that your name will be glorified, to go through it knowing that we're going to help build up the kingdom of God through it all. God, I pray today as, as Christians, as individuals here inside this church, that we remember that as we leave this place knowing that we're going to be persecuted, we're going to be, we're going to be called to suffer, but you're going to be there with us. And we'll glorify your name and we'll honor you through it all. Lord, we thank you again for today. Thank you for this church, for the open doors here, Lord, and for giving us the opportunity to worship and to fellowship. And God, I pray today that each one here Lord, has a relationship with you. Each person here has made their preparation to come home. And Lord, if there'd be one here that's not prepared, Lord, that they would get down on their face, that they would seek you out and cry upon your name and ask you into their hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you this morning. I'll listen to your son's name we pray. Amen.